0: My guest today is Christy Friesen. Christy is an award-winning artist and a master of polymer clay. She's an author who teaches internationally and online. Christy believes in using humor and positive energy to encourage students to stretch their creativity, their technical skills, and artistic confidence. In this episode, we talk about her approach to creativity in business and how to make the perfect Maui mojito. Hey, Christy, all the way from Hawaii today. Thanks for joining me. Aloha. (laughs) Yay. I think that's so fitting that you live there now because your work is so inspired by the ocean and flowers and all things tropical.
1: I think it was inevitable. Uh, It just really was. I never imagined myself being here, but now I just almost can't think of myself being anywhere else.
0: Oh, that's so good. That's how you know you found your right spot. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's nice when you feel like you've come home to a place, huh? Yeah, definitely. And I think you kind of feel that way about polymer clay too, after oh. fi- trying other mediums. And- oh, absolutely. Yeah.
1: I, I think people often ask me, you know, like, how did you get into that? And um, I, I did art like since forever, like most of us, you know, you're a kid and you're doing stuff. In fact, like my earliest art lesson was when I was like three and a half or something. My mom got me in an oil painting class of all crazy things. So I remember the turpentine baths afterwards and that I painted a Humpty Dumpty.
0: I can't believe you used (laughs) turpentine when you were a toddler. Oh, my goodness. And it was basically
1: like out in the yard wiping me down because I had oil paint everywhere. So yeah, I've had a long history of playing with different materials. But uh, my dad, uh, we we were an art family. My dad brought home a, a kiln and a potter's wheel and clay one day. And so I started sculpting fairly young. I think I was like eight or nine. And um, I just always loved the sculpting part of things. And so I always imagined myself as like a, an earthen clay sculptor, but um, life takes its turns as it does. And when I was ready to kind of get serious about being an artist for realty, I was in the process of kind of starting, getting my kiln and everything back together again. And somebody introduced me to polymer clay, which I had never heard of. I'm like, well, this seems like an interesting, you know, inexpensive thing to play with while I'm getting my kiln set up and wow, I just loved it. And, you know, all the colors and you didn't have anything that blew up in the kiln and glazes didn't go sideways and I could embed beads in it. Are you kidding me? So, yeah, it's been a love affair for 20 years. I, as soon as I found that material, I have just been sold on it.
0: It is really fun. I have fun with it, too. Um, my parents were some of the first American distributors of female.
1: Really? So,
0: yes. Yeah. Wow. So when I was a little kid, I used to demonstrate making canes at craft shows. Oh my goodness. I didn't know that. How cool is that? Wow.
1: Wow. I didn't, I didn't get into canes at first because I was so sculptural. And when I, when I saw that you could do that with canes, I'm like, wow, this is kind of an amazing material. It's fascinating to me. And I think you've probably noticed too, as you keep your eye on the community is like, there's people are coming up with new ways to use this stuff all the time. You know, they've got the female has the leather, like one that can be sewn and stitched and riveted and, and you know, people are are creating all these faux surfaces and adding other materials to it. It's just a fascinating, you know, a fascinating material.
0: Yeah, it is. You wouldn't think when you look at the little brick, I mean, I guess it's the right. same with any <laughs> art materials, but yeah. especially polymer clay, you look at the little brick and what it can become. And just to bake it in your toaster oven. I know amazing. it does seem like, okay, this is way too
1: cheesy for it to be something of value. It's like that'd be a nice little play-doh thing for the kids. But it's amazing once it gets in the hands of somebody who does amazing things with it, you wouldn't even know what it was anymore from that little plastic, you know, package. It's
0: fascinating to me. Well, I was so intrigued by your mosaics. You have pieces that have these teeny tiny little pieces of polymer clay that you've attached to another base, right? And then you also have driftwood, shells, beads, all kinds of things. Oh, god! you know, this
1: is my new obsession. I've uh, last couple of years. I mean, I've always loved. That polymer takes to other materials really well because it doesn't shrink. So you can put it on glass, you know, and wrap it around mirrors, and you can put beads and things into it, which is, you know, wonderful. Um, But lately, I've been pairing it with epoxy clay because epoxy clay will also let me sculpt and interact with polymer. But then I can stick other things mosaically into, then uh, use that into the epoxy clay and add more mosaic. So. A kind of, my policy is like too much is still not enough. And I have enjoyed that tremendously.
0: I like the way that you can put things in bezels too. So if, if someone is really committed to metal yeah. smithing, yes. they could still use their metal smithing skills and then add the sculptural element of the polymer yeah. clay I, to it. if they want to. I
1: absolutely agree. I really feel like polymer is kind of a gateway drug. It just takes you into other more, uh, you know, hard addictions. Um, but it's it just like, it pairs so well with things. Like you said, if you're a beater and you just need that perfect focal beater, you're trying to match a color, boom, you got it. If You do, um, you know, uh, like you said, the metalsmithing, you can put inlays of polymer or you can put your metalwork into poly- polymer. It, it's just like, it's kind of endless. And it's wonderful to have a material like that, that you can instantly have the color you want that wraps around things, that's endlessly sandable, carvable, I will never get bored. I guess is what I should say. There will never be a day when I go, well, I guess I've done everything I can do with polymer clay. It's like, (laughs) nope, there's still something else.
0: (laughs) I think that's really lucky then. Yeah. That that's your choice and passion for sure. Yeah. I, I agree. What
1: are some of your favorite polymer clays that you work with? Oh, thanks for asking that. Um, actually every polymer clay brand is pretty awesome. Um, there, there's some major brands. All of the name brands are wonderful. I have always used Primo. So Sculpey makes Primo or the Sculpey people. And I love it. It's that perfect combination of um, flexible enough, but stiff enough. It, it bakes and hardens really well. So it is my like absolute favorite. And I think we were um, talking about the fact that I use epoxy clay with it uh, quite a bit. And there's a number of epoxy clays out there. And a lot of times people are sort of unsure about that as well. Um, and I use a brand called Apoxy Sculpt, A-P-O-X-I-E Sculpt, Epoxy Sculpt. It's fantastic. And it pairs with the polymer clay, like super groovy. And if I'm allowed to do a little plug for my own thing, um, I have a, a small line of um, stainless steel tools that work beautifully with both polymer clay and metal clay and epoxy clay and all the other stuff. And I, I find that a lot of times people are sort of wondering what they would use to get started on either of the materials and you don't have to spend a lot of money on anything. You can just use stuff from around the house. But if you are wanting to kind of go up to the next level, having the proper clays is obviously important. Um, and then, you know, those tools are kind of a nice thing too. So um, I recommend them highly and um, you,
0: and they can find them on your yeah, yeah, website. Just go to
1: christyfriesen.com. You can find everything there. Um, I have, a, you know, the, Uh, there's, there's some subscription things for different membership groups and, and stuff like that there too, as well as tools and supplies and uh, tutorials and just like all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah, you can, you can find me there. Okay, great.
0: (laughs) Nice. You've been traveling, you know, for the last, however many years teaching people all over the world, how to use polymer clay and how to do all of these techniques. So what's it been like for you being at home and doing this over zoom or whatever, online platform you use? That is
1: a great question, Katie. Thank you. Um, I have had travel be such a large part of my life. And in 2019, I basically took off in March and I didn't touch down again um, until December. And I was on the road the entire year. Um, wow. Like I, I, I had a, a change of life and it suited me to just go from one to the next. And I got to see so many places because I went multiple places in Europe in Australia and Australia Tasmanian, Tasmania and, you know, Uh, Canada, the U.S., all around, and and Japan. It was a wonderful trip. And each place you go when you're teaching, not only are the people that are doing polymer exactly the same, no matter where you are in the world, they all have their buckets full of stuff that they bring in, and they've got way too many glitters and powders that we all get excited (laughs) about, and they share. You know, it's like the same everywhere you go. But, of course, the differences in the cultures and stuff is fascinating. And that part was really good. I, I, I got to see the world in a way that I never would. Just trying to save up money and traveling myself to be able to go somewhere where you could teach, which then would pay for being there and being um, you know hosted by someone who then showed you the best of their particular place in the world was a mind blowing experience. And I wondered how I would feel about it, because when I touched down here in Maui, again, Uh, My, my goal was just like, okay, I've done my year of travel. I'm going to hang out for a bit and figure out what's next. And then of course, obviously we, we came into the time of COVID and it's like, well, I guess I'm staying put. And I realized that I had been on the road for so long, I think probably 10 years, I was doing a lot of traveling. And then that last year, so much traveling that staying in one spot was something that I just needed so badly. In fact, I've had several people offer so like, could you come here? And we would like for you to come teach over here. And I'm like, no, well, no, not quite yet. I'm not quite ready yet to go back out on it. I've really enjoyed being able to kind of take naps and <laughs> you <laughs> know just wander outside when I want, not be in this kind of frenzied pace of trying to jam all your workload in so that you can hit the road again. It's been lovely. So it's been like perfect. This was just the perfect year to be at home and do things online instead of wandering all over. So I'm not glad that this happened, but I'm glad that being forced to stay put in one area seemed to suit me this year. So it, it's been good. It's been absolutely perfect.
0: Do you find that there are parts of your business that you've been able to focus on in a way that you couldn't when you were traveling? When I was oh, on gosh. the road a lot, I just felt like same as you. I was cramming yeah. all my book work and things like that into the you know, few yes. days that I was home. Yes. Uh, yes. And the stress level has
1: gone so far down. And and, you know, it's funny because sometimes we think of stress in terms of like being unhappy with the things you have to do, but stress can even be when you're doing something that you enjoy, but there's just no downtime and it's, it's a constant pace. And I realized that I had a very large stress load and I'm still very busy, but now I feel like if I don't get to it in the next day, it's okay. It'll be there and I won't have to panic and stay up till a million o'clock to do it. Um, And it's, it's been really good. And one of the things that's always been a goal has been to like increase my YouTube channel increase some videos, some of those kinds of things. And I won't even say that I've done that well yet, but I feel like I'm finally starting to get more videos in the can and get things up and sort of have an organized plan of interacting with people that way. And that way you can teach one thing and it can go out there. And so many people can watch it instead of you're going to one place with 20 or 30 people, and then you'd go another place with 20 or 30 people. Now it's like, I can do that one time and hundreds and hundreds of people can see that. So that's been a good thing.
0: I could see that as a really big benefit. Yeah.
1: yeah I, I do feel like I'm finally getting caught up a little to all the things I want to do. What are some of the things that you're really excited about right now? I tell you, the list is far more than I can do in my lifetime, which is great. Because I think the deal is as long as you still have stuff on your to-do list, you don't have to die, right? Isn't that how that works? so that's immortality (laughs) (laughs) no no, of course knock on wood on that one but um I have like my most exciting thing for me is that I'm I'm envisioning a series of videos and courses and I am really looking forward to doing you know some things on the basics of polymer the basics of epoxy clay doing more little smaller projects that people can kind of come on in make one thing feel excited and do you know do do that and learn more and And so so some of those video series I'm really excited about, that's on the sort of business side. But on the personal side, one thing that I have wanted to do forever, ever, ever is really take the time to make larger, more dramatic kind of gallery style art that amuses me. So I do an awful lot of smaller things. I have a wonderful fan base that buys everything I make, which is just so, so wonderful. I feel so grateful to my fans. Um, but I, I have some big pieces in mind that I've wanted to do, um, and I haven't had the time when you're on the road to do something like that, so I've started doing that and started making a few more intricate, larger pieces, and that has been so joyful, so um, continuing a bit more of that self-indulgent art is totally on my, my plate for coming up next.
0: Well, that sounds perfect for also developing the techniques and skills that you'll use on smaller things. I mean, I think when you go bigger, you can kind of expand. And then when you go smaller, you're kind of reining it in, but in a really interesting kind of a way, it can reveal your voice, you know, each, all of your pieces are so much you, you know, Uh there's so much joy there. Thank you for
1: that. And and I know that that, that really means a lot to me. And I do appreciate that because I know that that is that is sort of, if you're, um, if you're looking at your artwork as sort of a career path as opposed to a social interaction or an entertainment thing, all of which are valid reasons to be creative, of course. But if you are somebody who imagines themselves to be an artist of note someday, that finding your voice is like the most important thing and the ch- a challenge for many people. And so whenever anybody, I, I have to tell you a story, I've, I've told you, I've told this story off and on before, but I. It, it, it sort of epitomizes what I'm saying is, is that, you know, finding your voice, how wonderful it is when you realize you have one. Um, this is, oh gosh, 12, 15 years ago, my first um, trip to Tucson when I first was a vendor there and I was at one of the shows and, you know, they, we had one day where they closed it a little early so you could get to some of the other shows and some of the other shows stayed a little later. So it was one of those things we got to escape and, and wander about into Tucson. and my, That was my first foray into this. And I was wearing one of my big drama necklaces because at the time I had very intricate you know, uh, necklaces that I was doing. And I was wearing one at one of the shows and somebody stopped me and they pointed at my chest and said, is that a Christy Friesen? Oh and no, no. <laughs> It is, and also I am as well. You know, so it was like <laughs> getting noticed for the first time as your art. That that's was fantastic. Thrill. Yeah. And it, it, that, that I still feel happy about anytime it happens.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Well, one of the things that you do in Tucson each year is your party. Yes, right, where, yes. And obviously not while well, Tucson isn't happening, but I'm sure someday again, you will be doing this party probably. <laughs> and you also have the creative circle online and you're participating in the, I'm always messing it up, TGBE. Oh yes. Yeah. Right? The great Beat extravaganza. Thank exactly. you. <laughs> yeah.
1: I kind of have switched my party time persona on online and it has been actually been very exciting because one of the things that, Started the the Tucson party and they were really that was a fun time. Is that you had people that were kind of hanging around at the end of the day, and it's like wow, if we just kind of invited them upstairs at that time, there was a whole upstairs classroom area upstairs to kind of just go nuts with food and snack and prizes and all these different artists clumped in one area, and it turned out to be such an interesting thing because you really it was a really interesting way of incorporating this social mingling with creativity. And um, I love that. And of course there was other things that did, did this sort of thing, but this in this party atmosphere was really fun. So I thought, you know, I want to duplicate that online. And so one of the things I've done this year has actually been sort of to recreate that experience online. And it came about as a bit of a fluke because I had an online event plan. Somebody was going to host me. One of my um, friends was going to host me in Michigan um, as part of my, you know, traveling. And then when the, when COVID hits, hit, like, well, we can't do that in person. What if we did it online? And so instead of it just being like a Zoom event online, I decided let's do this Facebook group and let's really make it all these live chats, all these albums of things to find additional artists that were doing stuff. And a Zoom chat was a part of it so that we could all see each other in person as well as sort of have a party. In that experience. And it went over so well, people enjoyed themselves so much. And I was just blown away. I mean, it was a lot of work to get everything set up. But I was just blown away by what an interesting forum this was. And it really was very similar to those parties that we did there in Tucson. I thought I like this. So since then, I've done quite a few of these. Um, um, Here with my brother, we did one that was Maui themed. So we had a series of videos sort of taking them with us on island and fun, you know, snorkeling with you and taking you to the vodka distillery and doing things like that in addition to the creative projects, And then uh, we just did one where we went to Mars.
0: I love the pictures from that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it was really fun. We did sort of like a series of sketch, uh sketches that we were like in Mars and doing Mars stuff. So it was very goofy, but it really solved that kind of like wanting to be with your friends and play online thing. So I love it. I, I'm going to keep on doing them. They've been a blast.
0: Oh, that's cool. Is that, is that what the creative circle, is that what you're talking about when you talk about Mars and the Maui or is that separate?
1: Those are separate. Those are like special little events. And the creative circle is something that I've been doing. And thank you for asking about the creative circle, because that's something I started, I think in 2016, I was trying to go research and see when did I start that thing. Um, and it's been a lot longer than I realized, but what it is, it's a monthly project driven membership group. So it's $9.95 for the month and you you get a new project, a new video project and often a bonus project and access to archives and tips and tricks and things. But the main component that I've only added in the last few months has been somewhat like these online party things. I've brought that into the creative circle as well so that there's a Facebook group and on that Facebook group on every Sunday, we have a little live chat. So my brother joins me, we chit chat, we just kind of Share with the people and, and blab about nothing in particular. And then it segues into, okay, Ricky, we're done with our chit chat part. Now I'll flip the camera around and we'll create something together or we'll have a QA or whatever. So it's like an interesting combination of just socializing, like the parties, and creating some make along thing every week. So for that small uh, membership fee, you're getting new projects every month, access to archives, and then this sort of social. Uh, gathering every Sunday. So I'm very proud of that. And it's been very well received. And I'm, I'm just delighted that so many people have enjoyed it. And, and then they're signing up and the great Bead extravaganza, like you mentioned, has been wonderful because it's it's another one of those formats where there's multiple people presenting, there's demonstrations, there's giveaways. It's a marvelous group of about 18 of us um, who all were at the different bead shows especially Tucson, it's like, well, we can't do Tucson again. Should we just do something online? Yeah. And a lot of those people have been exposed to me, you know, maybe for the first time and then have wandered over into the circle to see what, you know, what's going on. So it's been a, a wonderful interaction in these various social groups to, you know, sh- showcase what I do to new people, bring them in, have them enjoy this particular brand of Christy wackiness. Um, I, and it's, it's been great. I've been just loving it. It's, it's been an interesting time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this time has kind of spurred some ideas that maybe were gelling or trying to coalesce before, um, but now in in the before times, but now in the during times, you know, people can um, really (laughs) take the time to build their businesses through this too. Yes. I mean, I know fans love it and people follow you, but I could see lots of artists doing the same kind of thing where they hold a weekly chat or a monthly chat or whatever it is, with their, with their fan base and, and hopefully draw on new people too. Well, I tell you, I will encourage anybody who listens to this who
1: is an artist that's interested in furthering themselves as a sort of a career or a sideline to just start interacting on your social media constantly. Talk to your people, tell them what's going on in your head, share what you're making. And if you can work live chats into that too, it's such a way of growing your presence and and basically when it boils down to it with art is that we're always selling ourselves we're selling a piece of our heart we're a piece of our fingers um, a part of our brain and the more they can more people can get to know you and connect with you the more meaningful what you make is so even if you feel like well I'm shy I don't really have much to say that's okay there's a ton of people out there who are also shy and also more reticent to to talk and you just do what's comfortable to you, share in whatever way that is easy for you. Some people like the live action. Other people would pre-record something and put it up or, or whatever it works. But just connect, you know, just tell people what you're thinking, what your art means, why you're doing it. And that, that I think is such a valuable thing.
0: I think you're so right. And you're, you're a pro at sharing your story oh, through your work. You great. know, I mean, you can't, I love your Instagram feed. It's so fun. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're thank welcome. You. I can tell when you've been down to the tide pools. Oh gosh. I love those. Do you, Did you have
1: much tide pools in your life, you know, just interacting with the ocean in that way? Cause
0: Yes. A couple different times and it's so incredible. The colors yes. and the stillness, and then all of a sudden action under the yes. water. Yeah, like if you just sit quietly
1: and let everybody come back out from their little nooks and crannies, the things you can see, like little
0: mini worlds. Wow, mm-hmm. it's fascinating. yeah, It I seems know. like you're getting that look with resin most of the time. Is that right? Yeah. Whenever I try to do uh, anything tide
1: pool-ish like that, obviously I use the resin um, as the water. But it's, you know, it's such a challenge because you know, it's various materials, I'm always trying to be aware of the longevity of them. And I know resins are such a great way of mimicking water, but over time, you know, they can yellow and change. So I've been sort of experimenting with sort of different ways to achieve that feel of being underwater without necessarily encasing it in a material that might yellow over time. So I can't say I'm entirely um, successful yet, but I'm working on it. But I just love that sort of abundance of these little kind of almost. Alien creatures with tentacles everywhere. I'm I'm I am i do not know what it is with tentacles, but I so love them.
0: <laughs> and I just like adding clusters of those to everything. So yeah, it's been a blast. <laughs> Definitely very cool. Oh, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, I think it's interesting um how then the nature around us really has an impact on our work no matter what you yes. do, no matter what kind of art, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and I notice, you know, it's funny because a lot of times you have artists who come to the island and then all of their artwork sort of morphs into Hawaiian themed stuff. And it's almost impossible not to do that because you're just surrounded with this lush garden environment and all the ocean stuff. And I mean, I've always loved that anyway. I think my art was always Hawaiian, even though I wasn't here. So it's I think been so a very too. natural, kind of like fitting right on into what I was already doing. So I like it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it works for you. Yeah, thank you. So when you're not um, creating art that reflects the nature around you, what do you look to for your inspiration?
1: Oh, Um, That is a great question because um, finding inspiration, I think, is a challenge for many people and trying to figure out what to make next. I mean, I think that's why people like me who provide projects, creative inspiration stuff, why we will always have a following is because many people have that impulse to create, but they don't know what to do. So that is something that I'm constantly on high alert of like, you know, because I've had to come up with basically a new project every week for over a year. And sometimes more than that when I have events going on. Um, so it's quite a large demand on my time to come up with things. So finding inspiration is something that I'm always aware of. And besides obviously nature and seeing the things that are around me, I pay attention to just about every kind of art there is out there. I have a ton of Pinterest boards, which anybody's welcome to go visit. Um, and I Find that the more ingredients I throw in my little bubbling cauldron of inspirational stew, the more likely when I pull a ladleful out that it's going to be something uniquely blended as opposed to looking only at one or a few things, then everything you do looks somewhat derivative. But the more you cast your net, the more interesting things you pull back in. So I am constantly on Pinterest. And I follow rabbit holes. It's like, you know, oh, I see that, let's see where that takes me. Now let's go to that thing, let's go to that thing. And I've also been very lucky to travel. So I go to museums and shrines and um, all, all these things in all these different places and see their version of reality and what they like and take tons of pictures. And I do sketches anytime an idea comes. So I'm very much inspired by so many other people's artwork, anything that I see any combination of, oh, that's interesting, but I don't know what to do with it. I have a little gal who has a bunch of um, shells and other beady stuff. And I go to her store quite a bit and just kind of look around because I'll see shells and there's colors and patterns like, ah, that makes me think of, you know, and off we go on another tangent. So I am just trying to constantly bombard myself with visual stimulus and hope that it just kind of recombines which it does into new and exciting ideas. But there are days when you just sit there going, gosh, what am I going to do for you know this deadline? You know, I just kind of scroll through all my boards until something kind of recombines and I go, huh, that would work.
0: You I know? love the idea of an inspirational stew. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I think it is like that because I think what happens with creativity is that it's bubbling away in the background all the time. It's like that likes that stew thing, but we're always busy. And we're, we're running to the store and we're doing this and we got our list. And so then when it comes time to sit down, it's like your, your creative stew has been bubbling all along, but you haven't been like stirring it and sipping it and tasting it. So then it's suddenly like, okay, present a meal for me. It's like, I, I don't know what to do. And you kind of just have to sit for a little while and let that sort of come out because it's there, it's ready. So I always have these little exercises that I do if I'm having like a creative block or I'm not quite sure what to do. And I just get my pasta machine out. I start throwing my scrap clay in and just blending random colors together because it's like an association. It's like, oh, that looks like an ocean. Okay, well, um, that, you know what? That ocean looks like there's a monster. I should do a sea monster. Okay. You know, and, and, you know, like one thing leads to the next. So I do these sort of blends or I'll make a little heart or something that I already know how to do. It's easy but there's a lot of variation. And inevitably that helps pull some of this stuff out. That's been bubbling around in the background and take it off into a new direction.
0: I was just reading something this morning about um, using your hands and how, I mean, I just keep coming across that in my creative life is that you, mm-hmm. doing something with your hands cements it in your brain. Yeah. So just that act of putting the polymer clay through the pasta machine, you yes. know, every time you fold it over, feed it through, fold it over, feed yes. it through, it's kind of not only are you creating something that might spark interest in your eyes, but your hands are also remembering like, oh, when I have clay, I do this. Yeah. You're like firing up. Yeah. Eyes. Firing it up. Right. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right.
1: Um, Cause I think a lot of times people just sit there and they look at their empty space or their messy space and they go, well, I should clean up. And it's like, no, don't do that. <laughs> because cleaning up is a different brain function. Now you're editing and you're tidying now creativity goes, oh, okay, we're not being chaotic. So I'll just go in the background. It's like, it's much better to get your stuff out and play with your beads or run your boss, you know, get your hands involved in the motions of creativity. And then the brain goes, oh, that's what we're doing. And it follows right along and does that with you. So I think you're absolutely right. You know, get, get your fingers involved in it. Yeah. Just start,
0: just start anywhere. Start
1: really start fooling around. And I always tell everybody, It's like, don't worry. You're not trying to make a masterpiece every time you sit down. When you're done, you can smash it. In fact, sometimes you should tell yourself, whatever I do today, I'm gonna just smash it at the end and use the clay again. And it frees you from this pressure of having to make something amazing. It's like, just screw around, man. You deserve it. It's (laughs) therapy, it's fun. Don't worry about it. It doesn't have to be anything. Just have
0: fun with it. I (laughs) love it. Have fun with it, yeah. That's hard to do when you're on deadline. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh God. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very much so.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think, um, the key to deadlines I have, I know is just get started sooner, you know, leave more time, but it just doesn't work that way. Oh no, no. It's always, we have a running joke here with my, my brother and I, because at the end of
1: every month I have to be ready for the first day of the month to put the new projects in my creative circle. Right. And you would think the minute I get done with one, I'd start on the next one. So I would be ahead of time. And it's always two days before when I'm like, in a, not in a panic, but in a like frenzy of, because I do the whole video, then I got to put it all together. And he, he always starts laughing, goes, oh, is it time for the creative circle? I could, yep, we're one day away. I can see <laughs> by your activity level. I'm like, yeah, I did it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait until the last second. <laughs> Every time. Every time. Well it's not like there's not a million other things to do, and somehow time just gets away from you oh.
0: <laughs> well, and sometimes the creative parts take a little longer than you think they might, and so yes. then you leave only a few days for the not creative the technical or whatever you want to call them parts. yeah, you know well, I
1: find that's the case is like I, I, in this particular creative cycle, I have finished the projects, and I'm rather proud of them, I might say, but there was one whole day when all I did was think about exactly what version of that idea I wanted to do. I already knew the project, but it's like, do I want this animal or that animal? Do I want to use these things or that thing? You know, and it took me an entire day to kind of think through the process so that I could sit down and go, you know? And sometimes it does. It just, you know, how do you build that in? It's like, yep, you're going to need a day or two to kind of work out the bugs in your head. It's like, right. it takes what it takes, yeah.
0: I know what you mean. It definitely, um, I think though the longer that you do it, the more, you know, you know, you know, you're going to have this project every month, you know, that at the end of the month, you're going to drive yourself crazy trying to figure out what it is. You're planning ahead for planning, you know, (laughs) Yes.
1: for panicking a little bit at the end. Yeah, you kind of already Mm -hmm. know it's a known quantity. Yeah, exactly. And then it'll be right up to the wire, but it'll get done and it's okay.
0: Do you like to work in quiet or do you listen to music while you're working? My preference when I work is
1: I will put on um, some kind of a Netflix series or whatever that has a lot of uh, verbal action. If it's something where there's a lot of watching it, that that's no good. So what I prefer is something like a series that maybe I've seen before, like Brooklyn Nine-Nine or whatever, where it's just like, I don't have to watch. I know the characters. I know the dialogue. It's just funny. And it's got five or seven seasons. And I can just one after the other while I'm creating. Um, that's my preference. I like that. Some people do like music. I've never been one to have a lot of music in the studio it's always been a book on tape or something like that some audio that sort of thing
0: I go through phases yeah Mm -hmm.
1: yeah but then I have to turn it off like if I get to a part where I have to think through the next step I have to turn it off so I can think about what I'm doing next and then I can turn it back on again (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. pause and get your thoughts together what kind of phases do you go through like music no the phases are um Right now I'm same as you. I'm listening to shows that I already kind of can list that I can listen to without really having to pay attention.
1: Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I
0: almost feel like it helps me focus my attention more on what I'm doing because I'm not getting distracted by every little noise yes. in the house. Yes. But yeah, I um, think so too. Sometimes yeah. music too, or movies yeah. just depends, yeah. podcasts, you know.
1: Yeah. Just that kind of stuff. So it's the, it's sort of going in the background. Your brain is active on something. Cause I think I, tell me what you think about this, but I believe that the more you do something, the more part of your brain moves to your fingers and you are doing things with your fingers and your brain is miles away and you are just suddenly realized you look down. It's like, oh, I finished that whole section. And you're not like almost you're in in kind of a meditative trance. You're almost not even aware that you did it because your hands already know what they're doing. So they're just doing it, you know, without the brain
0: engaged. It's trying to get into the flow, right? It just, whatever it is trying to get there so that you can be in the flow longer. Yeah. And that's an interesting
1: thing about that flow because it it really is, um, uh, an altered reality. And I have to say that I get into that flow fairly easily these days. And it is interesting because everything goes away. If you have like pains or you have to go to the bathroom, you have to eat. It's like, those can be suspended for hours until suddenly your body's going, look, we had to go to the bathroom two hours ago. You were in some other place. Excuse me, but it's time. You know, and like, oh, wow, how long have I been here? Oh, it's dawn. Crap. It's been a lot longer than I thought. You know, that happens sometimes. And it's it's kind of an interesting little piece of immortality that as a creative, we get to have that other people, I don't think get that in the same way.
0: I think you're right. Not in the same way. Yeah, You know, maybe yeah. they find it other ways, but right. yeah, you're right. It yeah. is like the the little bit of, pixie magic on creativity as you get to be in that spot
1: and so focused
0: that time disappears.
1: It does. It's it's an amazing thing. It it really is. And I I love it. It's, it's, I just love it. You know, the creativity for its own sake is all I need. The fact that I also sell it and share it and everything else, those are icings on the cake. If all I was able to do was just make for my own sake, I would. You know, it's just nice that it also is my livelihood. So I feel myself very lucky in that.
0: Definitely. Mm -hmm. Spurred by the passion. You mentioned that fans buy your work as quickly as you can make it. Where do they find you? Actually, this is an interesting thing. If I can take a second normally I would just
1: I had a store my website and I have some of my work on my website and I sold it that way and then occasionally I would pop on in the middle of the night when I just finished a crop of something and I'd post it on my on my profile page and everybody would just buy it but the problem is people like on the east coast who were awake in the middle of the night when I was posting things would buy it all and then my west coast fans would be like oh Everything's gone already, Christy, and I'm like, oh, they lost their chance. So my daughter-in-law suggested that I should start a little membership group for just a few dollars a month, so they have access first. And I thought, well, I don't want to do that. That sounds really rude to pay, ask people to pay me for the um, the privilege of buying my stuff. And she's like, no, 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 you really need to do that. I'm like, okay. So I've done that now for the last few years. It's called the Diamond Member Group, and they get first access. They have a Facebook page, and I put everything for sale up the Facebook page for them specifically in that members-only group, with the implication that they'll pick and choose their best, and then I'll put the rest on the website. Well, for the last few years, nothing gets to the website ever. It all goes to the Diamond member people, because I'm you know, I'm, I'm pretty good about working out payment plans and things like that, and they're a fantastic group. So I would say to anybody, if you like my work, and you would like some, come join the Diamond member, even though it's like five bucks a month. You do get access to all the goodies, and I also have other little treats that I put in there to make it worth your while, but I've just been really lucky that I've had a very, um, excited group of people that just buy everything. So I do want to say that, that, that diamond member is worth, worth jumping into.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a good idea for people too, who are looking yeah. to sell their jewelry and they do have a core group exactly. or are trying to build a core group. They could emulate. Yeah, you it's there. like having a patrons, you know, is somebody who's expecting
1: that their longevity of support. With you will give them an extra status of being able to have first choice. And I think that's important to reward the people who support you. And so this is the way that I've come up with doing it. And it's been wonderful. I've loved it. After we record our podcast
0: today, I bet you're going to have a tropical cocktail.
1: I am so going to have a cocktail, baby. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I was thinking about that. Like uh, so often, I talk to some of my various creative friends and they are doing like, you know, they're doing a podcast or they're doing a a live chat or something else. And invariably cocktails sort of float in there. And I think it's a a, a COVID, a COVID selves that are just kind of letting our hair down, literally um, staying in our pajamas and doggone it. I'm daytime drinking, you know, it's like (laughs) kind of what it is, but I have been experimenting a bit more with some fun little cocktails. Hey, can I tell you one of my fun little Yes, please. Okay. So we have such an abundance of tropical fruits out here. Duh. Um, and I have been just like a joy of discovering these new things. And one of the things that I discovered while I'm here is dragon fruit and I'd seen them around and sometimes you buy one. And, um, if they're not very flavorful, like when you get one at the supermarket or whatever, it's like very expensive and it looks interesting, but it's kind of like, huh, I see It's traveled a long way
0: by the time it gets over here.
1: Exactly, but we've got the ones that are local here, and the ones with the really pink inside are, to me, quite delightful. I love them, Uh, but their their pinkness is so intense. So you can also buy the dragon fruit powder, which is just that's it. Uh. Dragon fruit powder, and if you mix that up, so what I like to do is I like to take dragon fruit powder, mix it in vodka, put the vodka in the freezer, then get a lovely prosecco and add a little bit of your dragon fruit vodka to your prosecco to make a maui mimosa
0: and Ooh. they are
1: quite delightful if you choose to put a pineapple chunk in there it just makes it that much better but oh, that's that uh, i'm good. a bubbly girl and boy that one is
0: great i love it you are definitely a bubbly girl and i have just <laughs> loved talking with you today thank you so much christy oh it's been my pleasure katie thank you for inviting me you're welcome If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and review Jewelry Artist on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Jewelry Artist is a production of Golden Peak Media and Interweave. It's hosted and produced by me, Katie Hacker. We had help from Tamara Hahnemann and Merle White with special thanks to the team at Lapidary Journal Jewelry Artist Magazine. This episode was recorded and edited by Chad Branson. Our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.